Hello and welcome to Tea with Culture. I'm Wael Hattar and with me is Hin Mizaina. I'm still in LA so I am actually recording this from the Hollywood Athletics Club which is, cutely enough, the first uh, Emmy Awards uh, were presented here by the Academy. So I guess it's, since our episode is about film and film in general, it's kind of a, a cute little thing and Unit 9 are letting us use their offices to record this. Hello Hind. Yeah, exactly. It's it's all wrapped up into film. And for for everyone listening, this episode we're gonna we're gonna go beyond the award ceremonies and actually talk about Hin's um, depth into the Berlinale, where she saw a lot of films, as well of as well as then compare the film festivals we have um, in the United Arab Emirates with the ones that we've seen um, uh, across, as well as uh, comparing the other indie film festivals, other things that we've going around. So to start off, Hind. What were the dates for the Berlinale, and what was the highlights, and, and go on from there. All right, so the Berlinale went on uh, between 9th and 19th February, and I attended uh, for one week, so kind of the, from the beginning, and uh, it was a really good festival. I mean, this is my second time. Uh, I previously went in 2014. I attend as press, and it's, uh, really, it's a really good festival for press because there's dedicated press screenings and multitudes of them, you know, in the mornings, in the afternoons and at night, um, you know, easy to get tickets, it's really press friendly and it's just, I think, very friendly to the public in general, there's no kind of red carpet and velvet rope and things like that, I mean, we're in and out of the Grand Hayat, kind of, which is close to the Berlinale Palace, where the red carpet screenings happen and that's where we hang out and there's no kind of issues and uh, it's really relaxed, really chilled and uh, just yeah, a great opportunity to discover a lot of uh, new films because it's one of those festivals that happens early on in the year. So a lot of kind of films that you know not many people would have seen, so you would know what you're going into. And uh, also a great opportunity to see old films because there's a really good, strong uh, retrospective section as well. And usually we always talk about the themes of the films. What themes kind of stood out for you here? So, I mean, in general, I think with the Berlinale, they take uh, pride in it's one of the most political film festivals where they screen films that are very politically engaged or talk about kind of current issues. And, um, and then, then I th- and there were these discussions, there was even kind of a critics week that happened just before the festival where they were talking, you know, do films have to be political and what is the role of politics and cinema? So just really good discussions around it and, uh, and you know, room for thought and kind of further discussions. But yeah, I mean, a lot of these are, I, I think the overall theme is usually politics, but I mean, there's a lot, I mean, because there's like, at least like 12, 16 different categories, and in it is kind of films dedicated to young people, there's one about, um, like I said, there's retrospective, there's homage, there's panorama, and there's experimental, and there's even a section of a kind of about food, and, and so there's lots of, you know, if you focus just on one of the sections, there's already a multitude of films to see there, but I mean, I focus on uh, the competition section, the panorama, forum, and retrospective on so what's the difference between the, the competition and the panorama? So competition are the films that are running for competitions, which has a jury, and this year it was headed by Paul Verhoeven. And um, so these are the ones which will win the Golden Bear and Silver Bear, so just like you have in, you know, all yeah. the other big festivals like the Cannes, uh, mm-hmm. etc. Um, and um, 
So that's kind of, yeah, so that's the competition. And then the panorama would be films, again, just kind of, you know, interesting films, independent filmmakers, big budget, etc. But again, and some of the films that did come here, like I think one of them was at Sundance. So, but again, it's kind of the, the launching pad maybe for lots of films that will probably be talked about for the rest of the year. And, you know, because of, it'll be at festivals all around. Um, and um, Forum is a bit of a hit and miss. Like sometimes you walk out like, thinking, oh my God, I wasted my time. <laughs> and sometimes they're really good discoveries. But it's kind of almost a rite of passage. Like you have to see bad films at Berlin Alley. You can't expect to see all good films. Uh, the Omar section was really great because it was um, dedicated to Melena Cananero, a costume designer. She's worked on a lot of uh, films by Stanley Kubrick. So there were films by him screening, and I think the one that was my major kind of I'm definitely going to Berlin Alley decision was the screening of Barry Lyndon, which I've never seen. I've always heard it's like a masterpiece, and I, yeah. I kind of promised myself I want to save it to see it on the big screen. So I've never seen it on the small screen, and oh my god, it is indeed a masterpiece. Yeah, it's, no, it's one of my favorites as well for me. Lost in that world. I mean, every screen looks like an, a beautiful painting, and the colors, and the light, and the costumes, and oh, oh my god, I was, I was so thrilled that I finally got to see it. Um, yeah, we had actually. I was lucky enough to see it. So I was lucky enough to see it uh, at a screening because of the film school that I was in. Because as uh, as you may know, the all the lighting there was was natural lighting. So the candles, that was a lot of candles. Everything was kind of there and then. And for us, it was big study thing. So I'm glad you watched it. Yeah, no, it was, it was, it was amazing. Um, I mean, the retrospective section was really great as well, and it was uh, a title, Future Imperfect, and it was dedicated to science fiction films. Uh, the movies ranged from kind of silent films from um, the 1918, uh, which was, you know, uh, like there was a live piano playing while it was on, to uh, recent films uh, like from the 90s by Catherine Bigelow, Strange Days, which I've never seen. I've never seen. I loved it. And there was like, an, uh, and it was, it also included George Lucas's first film, THX 1138 yeah. from yeah, 1971. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's amazing to see how these films have really, you know, a film like that has influenced lots of other films. Um, and I mean, I think the amazing one from it was a Russian film from the 1980s. It's called Letters from a Dead Man, and that was just so grim and so amazing at the same time. And the use of colors and uh, totally post-apocalyptic, terribly depressing, but also kind of this, you know, like uh, it's also trying to be helpful. And it's an interesting mix of where everything feels really bleak and, and yet there's still this kind of underlying uh, hope. There is hopefully, you know, things will be better. And, and it was really interesting in general with all of these science fiction films, just the themes in general are, uh, I think science fiction will always be relevant no matter when you see them because it always kind of ties in with what's happening in the world today. And, and, and it was just quite interesting. And for every introduction, there was always a reference to what's going on in the States and what's going on in the world. So it was quite a kind of interesting dialogue going on. Um, but yeah, I mean, but I think going back to the competition section, uh, I want to highlight a couple of my favorites. Um, and, 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 and you asked me earlier, like, what was kind of like a common thread between mm -hmm. some of the films I saw. And, and I think the ones that really were really good ones were queer films, like queer cinema really had a kind of a shining light on it at this festival. Um, first one is uh, Call Me By Your Name, 
by Luca Guadagliero. I'm not pronouncing this surname correctly. And this was not part of competition because it premiered at Sundance. Uh, but this was my number one favorite film out of this uh, festival. And compared to his previous films, I Am Love and Bigger Splash, which were quite, you know, like quite energetic and a bit brash, you know, especially with Bigger Splash. This one was really subtle and it's set in the 80s and it's in Italy and it's like summer holidays and it has this beautiful kind of tone to it and it's about coming of age, it's about like first love, it's about heartbreak and you know trying to like, like okay first life lessons when it comes to the matters of the heart but just so beautifully done, so, um, so like emotionally engaging and, and it's like I think it, it was critically well received at Sundance and I'm, I'm sure it's one of the big movies we'll be talking about for the rest of the year. Um, following Call Me By Name, another film, and this was from the competition section, A Fantastic Woman, and it's a Chilean film, and it's about a transgender and, and her kind of insistence and her fight to kind of carry on, you know, living as a woman and how she's... And this isn't one of those where I thought of Tangerine as an opposite to this, where it's kind of people on the streets and it's always this hustling every single second of your life on the street and, you know, the, like disadvantage. But this is someone who's got a job, who's got a boyfriend and, you know, very middle class, but just things go wrong for her because her boyfriend dies and then his family, you know, and the way she's being treated, but she's still really dignified and kind of her insistence that I am a woman, I'm going to fight for my right to live as a woman. And really, really well done as well. Others. Okay, nice. um, uh, documentaries were really good and two kind of that stood out I'm Not Your Negro and uh, again this was uh, in the States last year so um, I think it'll be wired in Europe uh, soon uh, by Raul Peck yeah actually this one is still playing here it only came out while I was in LA so it's it's relatively new go and see it it's really good, and again, I think it's one that's really very pertinent to the States and what's going on in the States. And it's about James Baldwin, uh, a writer, a thinker, an intellect, and someone I've not really read um, about before, and uh, so it's a good introduction to someone who isn't familiar with him or his work. And again, it's a compilation of good archival material, but there's also just... Uh, it's narrated by Samuel L. Jackson and just the words, like, and all, they're all his words, because it's based on an unfinished book. And so it's, an ex, you know, lines from that book and really, really well done, uh, very important. Everyone should see it. And like I said, quite pertinent to what's going on, particularly in the U.S. Um, another documentary, kind of not, you know, opposite from a conventional documentary called In the Intense Now in South America. And this one starts off by uh, with a director. He found these... Uh, holiday recordings of his mother's travels in China in the 1960s and, uh, and through that you know, he starts kind of interrogating and kind of thinking about his mother but really it's a beautiful film essay which is a compilation of like home you know recording like holiday recordings by his mother but also kind of our footage from the news and it starts off from the personal and then it goes into social and political and you know is in China and in Europe and kind of in the 60s and the protest that was going on at the time and it really, like, I think it's the editing in this film that is just really well done when it flows really well and it's narrated by the director and his voice and, and uh, kind of him meditating on 
thoughts about what he's seeing, you know, and what he's discovered from these films uh, in the intense now, and hopefully something will. I think it's very one that will definitely get festivals, but I'm hoping an opportunity for a wider audience. Do you, th- do you think any of the film? Sorry. Do you think any of these films that you've mentioned would be coming to Dubai Film Festival? Um, I imagine I'm not an ego, but I think I think by December 2017, I think the film would have been released elsewhere. So I doubt it. I do think the other side of hope uh, by Aki Kurismaki, again in the style of his film where there's this deadpan and it's uh, the colors and really rich colors in it, and we got to see it on 35 millimeter, uh, which was really great, and um, and it's really well composed. One of those uh, films I saw at the festival where just, yeah, every screen was really rich colors and very well um, uh, composed, as I said. But and the storyline is kind of the, the meetings of this old man who decides to kind of leave his wife and quit his job and start, you know, buy a restaurant. And he crossed paths by, uh, with a Syrian refugee and how kind of like this, um, you know, like not necessarily a friendship, but everyone in this film is, is a good person. Like everyone's trying to do a good thing because he's a refugee. He's trying to obviously seek asylum, and uh, he's also looking for a sister. And in this world, in this film, like a lot of people are trying to do good, and there are people who are trying to do bad, but the good people stand up for it. So it was really kind of one of those encouraging films and stuff where you leave feeling depressed about something. Like, oh, okay, it's nice to feel hopeful sometimes. But it's almost, um, I don't know if it's officially a sequel or part of a trilogy, I think I heard them mention to La Havre, which did come to death a few years ago. So I almost feel this is probably one, like if I had to put money on which one would come to death, this would be it. And I also want to add that this is probably the most Arab language film I saw at the festival because it was also Arabic like speaking in the film, and that was probably the closest. Uh, there were some Arab films that will probably make their way to Diff. Uh, I didn't necessarily seek every Arab film out just because I wanted to make time to see movies that I know I'm not going to have a chance to see otherwise. And you like leaving that drama for me? Yes, that's right. You can cover it when it's time for Diff. <laughs> you can watch and report back. <laughs> Well, I'm, I'm glad that we uh, that that this movie might even show up. And uh, funnily enough, talking about the queer cinema and the Oscars as well, um, I, I got an email about uh, Moonlight showing in Dubai at the Scene Club. So that's a situation where um, people living in the United Arab Emirates um, and specifically in Dubai can can go and watch some alternative ways of of, of film production rather than the usual uh, cinema situation. Yeah, I mean, I was quite surprised. Like, I was like, I thought, well, hats off to the scene club because, yeah, again, a lot of times when it comes to queer cinema, it's not necessarily something we expect in a, uh, in, in this part of the world. And I'm really, you know, I commend the scene club. I just hope the screening will go smoothly because there were a couple of, you know, issues in the last two screenings I attended. Uh, I, yeah, I mean, I kind of was spreading the word before the film won an Oscar. And now, I guess, because it won an Oscar, there's more attention. And, yeah, this is a film I saw at London Film Festival a few months ago and totally one of my favorites and, you know, my top five uh, favorite films of the year. Uh, Beautifully, cinematically, from a human level, from a storytelling level and authenticity and truthfulness and and just one of those rare things where it has everything, everything about it is fantastic and good and definitely deserves to be seen by everyone. And, um, and I'm hoping Dubai screening, even though it's going to be one night, will be a packed full house. And I'm hoping you'll be having an opportunity to see it soon in Los Angeles. 
Yes, we were talking kind of off uh, off recording that when we compared Dubai to Dubai to other other places, and, and now that I'm in the U.S., kind of the, the Holly, literally in Hollywood land, um, when it comes to advertising and cinemas and all of that, where. Um, it's like silence was in smaller cinemas and I didn't have the chance to see it. A lot of the European films come in for a week and go away and all the marketing is more or less similar to Dubai. So whenever we, I guess, we complain a bit about Dubai being difficult and not easy for the films, I guess it's more of an international world right now where movies have become more of a pop culturally big budget quick thing rather than what's happening on, on television in this day and age. So, so yes, but at least because Moonlight won the, the Oscar in a very odd situation, um, now it's been it, it got more really more uh, more screens released, so I was definitely able to catch it because I was afraid I was going to miss it before I come. And actually, talking about film festivals and, and the Emirates, we're we're getting more and more of these kind of smaller things that happen. I know the Real Palestine uh, um, film festival that that occurred um, between Sharjah and and Dubai kind of was wrapped up. Do you have, were you were you able to see anything? And do you know if at least it was ticketed so the to, so the films get some money back? No, I mean, a I didn't have a chance to go, but I definitely know it wasn't ticketed. I mean, part of it is like, oh, these are free screenings, you must come. Uh, and again, it's not being screened at a fest at a cinema. It's screened in kind of like makeshift cinema at Al Avenue, so between the A4 space, which I don't necessarily think is an ideal place to watch. You know. A proper movie, like if you want a proper cinema experience, and also screen things outdoors. Again, not personally, not my favorite uh, setting, uh, but I believe they get the place for free. I think it's one of those opportunities because the people running it are independent, and I think they put their own money in getting the film right. And I've not had an opportunity to discuss what are the issues of getting something like this in cinemas because one thing with the Scene Club, which is a film club, but you know, and I'm glad they moved from free screenings at Knowledge Village, which was in an auditorium, which again wasn't necessarily an ideal cinema venue, to screening their films at Vox Cinema, so they have twice a month, one of the halls dedicated to them, people are paying for tickets, and I just wish we see more of that model. Instead of this pop-up model, which is like, you know, in venues that aren't, isn't a cinema, people sitting on bean bags or benches, and and I mean, I think, think it's cute and quaint, and some people think it's hip and cool, but... I don't know, like they miss out on a proper cinema experience where it's a proper screen or a proper sound, and, and especially when there, there are a lot of these kind of art house type films, as some people like to call it, or or film that deserves to be seen properly on the big screen, versus like short films or documentaries. Okay, but then I guess when you compare it, I mean, something is happening right before I arrive is the um, World of Women Film Festival, and I remember it because I remember last year it was on, and I had this intense anger <laughs> towards it but now I went on online and what I, what I easily found who the sponsors were I easily found all the, the dinners and the galas and the hair things and all the other stuff I couldn't for the life of me figure out what the movies were and when I did uh, uh, I don't know yeah, no, I'm, I'm with you. I'm not, I want to support it, but I'm not, the marketing does not speak to me, so I don't know who they're marketing, because again, it's like about wellness and spa, and I don't know, the picture, the posters, this heavy makeup 
I don't know, drawn person or is a real person, I have no idea. And I went on their website and again there was a list of talks and events and spa and, 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 and not necessarily a clear kind of stand out what the films are and then I found like a table and, and I know they're screening some films in the cinema at Vox, some screenings are happening at A4. Uh, they're opening with Nawaf um, Janahi's film Under the Shadow, which, you know, I liked when I watched it, but it was titled as Emirati Classic, so I'm like, okay, wait, when does a classic become a classic here? Because it's only a few years old. And also, isn't it about an about a boy? Sorry? Isn't it also about a, a boy? Yeah, I don't know, exactly. So I don't know, and I think there is this tendency of trying to latch on an Emirati film, and, and it's fine, you know, it's opportunities to showcase this film, but then pair it properly, you know, like either find the right theme and pair it with the screenings that are happening. Uh, yeah, I, I have no idea. For me, before... Called Sonita, and uh, I don't know. I'm not sure if it's a. Yeah, it is a documentary. So it's, it's described as a documentary, and it's about a young Afghan refugee in Iran, and um, and I think she kind of, you know, she's into music, and she's trying to like sing and be a singer, and being stopped by people. I, I don't know, like that. Sorry, I'm completely paraphrasing the description, but I think I'm interested in seeing that. But it's screening in the afternoon at one. Um, one o'clock, so I'm also not sure who, and it's midweek, so I don't even know who who's the target audience. If half time, I'm gonna go, but and, and I'm curious to know who like turns up at Wow. Um, for me, how international, and it's more kind of, it felt more like a feminist and movement, or fem, you know. But this one just feels more, like I said, it's not doesn't speak to me. The marketing and the language and the tone of the packaging of this festival doesn't speak to me. For me, before I move on, um, the one the one big blasphemy point is that when I do click to buy tickets, it takes me to the cinema site, but not necessarily the films that I want that are on this. So even then, when I want to buy a ticket, I can't. Anyway, for the listeners, it's on from the 3rd to the 8th of March, and you can go on site WOW Middle East. So wowmiddleeast.com, to, and good luck figuring out getting a ticket there. And finally, before, since it uses on, do you know anything about the film festivals happening now in Abu Dhabi, the Image Science Festival? The Imagine Science Festival. Yeah, that's been going on for a few years. So that's opening with uh, Najum al Ghanim's film that we saw at DIFF. Uh, yes, uh, Honey, Rain and Dust, the uh, Emirati film uh, documentary about uh, the honey makers. And they also have another film we saw at, uh, um, at DIFF, I didn't see it, but many people saw, which is The Eagle Huntress. Funny enough, I mean, these two titles alone are probably something that belongs to the Wow, the you know, film festival. <laughs> no, exactly. <laughs> I mean, and there's a whole lot of other films, and it's about kind of like technology and science, and there's a series of short films, and you know, it's, it's a good lineup, but uh, I'm not sure if I'm going to have time to, to go to it just because I'm kind of doing my own uh, work for the Charger Bayan for another episode to talk about. But no, it's definitely, I think, something to check out, and it's at NYU Abu Dhabi. And they've opened um, one of their new halls. I think that's where they're screening their films. But anyway, in general, the venues are really great at NYU Abu Dhabi. So I'm sure it's worth checking out. I had a good, a positive and negative interaction at the, at the Independent Film Festival in San Francisco, which was on for two weeks. So it being on for two weeks is great. But then all the films are only kind of after 7 p.m. So it's kind of targeted to finally get you all work. 
and this is it. So this is, I guess, it's their way of doing it. My problem with this one is that because it was an independent film festival, the marketing budget was a lot less. So it took me a while when I was in San Francisco to realize that it was on. But then when I went on the site, their site was not any better than any of the other sites that we have um, here, so it's okay. And my friend, who's a San Francisco local, she was on, and she was even trying to. We were both trying hard to find a film to watch, but then the ones we wanted weren't on days, and it was just a mess. Okay, but I just want to say, speaking of websites and festivals, Berlinale's website kicks, you know, and three letters after that. It's it's a fantastic website. Their app is amazing. It's, you have no idea how amazing it is that it helps you kind of decide what films to watch in the schedule. It's all really easy to do. And so instead of, you know how we usually kind of looking at every page and marking and figuring out mm -hmm. the schedule and the Excel sheets and colored markers. Like this one, with your, it was amazing. You look at each schedule, you can mark it, unmark, you have, you know, you create your own calendar. And I just don't understand, it's, it's almost like the ideal example and, you know, best practice and it's there and it's functioning and, and more festivals need to use it and more kind of like even cinemas, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's, it's a great, great website. So I have to commend one of my highlights in Berlin, Berlinale is their website. I think I haven't seen the Berlinale one, but I think my favorite, my, my easiest one was the Tribeca Film Festival in New York, surprisingly enough. Oh, that was good, especially yeah. the London one just confused me and the Dubai one is good, but needs a lot of help. Yes, it does. <laughs> See, I don't know. I mean, I think we're always frustrated with the lack of information that you can find online. I mean, we face that with the art world, like the terribly late information or information that is never up or, or it, it's, it's incredibly frustrating. And, and especially now where we rely on in getting information online, I just, I don't understand, like the basic thing, it's you're promoting yourself and, and yet it's not there. Like it's, it's, I mean, now with the art season coming up, again, something we'll talk in another episode, I've just been trying to go through, you know, the sites to kind of create my top recommendations of exhibitions or events, and it's, it's frustrating. It's just not laid out, it's not easy to find, it's not there, and then you, you know, someone tells you, oh no, so, so is happening, and like, oh wait, I didn't find this information when I was looking for it. <laughs> so, I, I, I don't know, and I know all of these, you know, budget issues, resource issues, but it's just, it's just so important. I don't know why it's not given that attention. I mean, this is... I'm just posting things on social media, and it's just so fragmented. Like, I cannot, like, there's a lot, and I don't know how it is in LA. I mean, it would be good to compare. Like, Instagram is the go-to place for everyone, but it's like, I don't know how you follow news and events. You know what I mean? Like, that's not a way to promote events. No, definitely. <laughs> I that's... see that page, and I use it. The way that they post it. Yeah, no, it's, it's, there's a new Guggenheim exhibition coming up, and, and their advertising, is, their information is just on Instagram. You know, that's, that's, that's a whole different topic to talk about, but going, going back to the, the film idea is something that I guess we've always had a conversation with and something I bring up to a lot of people, more so that I even work in the industry. It's, it's just the, the, the saturation of the, of, of the movie business, rather, let's just move out of film, uh, compared to the production and all the weight and heaviness put on television now. I guess for them, unless it's a large, shiny animation or comic book or kind of terribly written book, translated into something or even something for kids, it's not worth their while, which is why you see more and more intelligent, independent-style creations happening on, on TV. Even, even when they, they, they have kind of small, they try to fix the budget, try to do it. It's, I think that's the development of people 
coming uh, above a certain age or, or in a certain situation or a certain style. That's where you get independent writing, brave writing, clever music, cinematography. All the stuff you have on TV now are way, way more epic and, and, and value-worthy, uh, I guess, compared to the film festivals. Though, like you said earlier on in this conversation, Moonlight, having won, having won the Oscar, would maybe something to kind of at least, once it starts in the American market, dr uh, trickle down to the rest of the world of, of how independent cinema and festivals can help. And, and similar to our earlier conversation um, about the European film festival we have in the Emirates, it is something that people try to do, and at least we know that Europe try to support it and even have some sort of, not necessarily a ban, but a blockage to allow their uh, movies and European movies to, to be able to be screened versus us in the Arab world where you have to be really lucky to catch an Arabic film that's not an Egyptian pop. That's true. I mean, I think the abundance of Arabic language films are kind of these, uh, I don't know, almost B-grade comedies, but I don't know. They say this is what audience wants. I, I don't know. I don't know which audience they research. But the few critically acclaimed Arab films that do come to our cinemas never do well. So exam recent examples like the Saudi film Barakah Baraka, the you know, Jordanian film from a couple of years ago. I mean, even other independent films like the Persian language film Under the Shadows. Um, all of these films came to the cinemas, didn't do really well, like, at least, you know, and they didn't stay long enough. And then same films could be screened again at these kind of pop-up venues. And like, it's a full crowd. And these are free screenings. And I'm like, wait, where were these people when this was in the cinema? And I've been having this discussion with quite a few people around, and it, you know, is it because it's free, or is it the venue, is it the timing? They, you know, they don't know that it's in the cinema because it's not promoted, which we've identified. These small films are never promoted, um, and they don't stay long enough for people to to know about it. You know, through word of mouth, they don't get written about, they don't get talked about. Yeah, I mean, and also one thing that just kind of extra bothers me is that a lot of this time the cinemas tell you or tell me that, oh, um, uh, because only the ones who know about the films are interested, so they were only like a small, uh, like the... Yeah, the Clash of Shtibak, I remember they didn't, they didn't have it without an English translation because, oh no, only Arabs would be interested. And all my friends who are cinephiles would watch, I mean, I see non-Arabic films, not because, you know, so for them they don't even want to invest that. And, and I know it's translated because it went to film festivals around the world. Exactly, and that was so infuriating. It's like, why didn't the copy with the English subtitles come to screen in the UAE? I was so pissed off when that happened. And again, it came and went, blink of an eye, and it's gone. And then when you mentioned it to people, they're like, oh, wait, I really would have wanted to see this film. So there's this ongoing kind of issue, and I don't know what the one kind of solution is. I think there are layers of issues, and I have no idea. I mean, apart from just talking and complaining about it, I don't know what more needs to be done to... Yeah. Voices like ours heard. What, what, I, what I what I read from it on like a quick outside view is that all of the kind of the the, the cinema industry that we have in, in in the Emirates has a kind of a a lower standard of of Arab cinema, Arab viewers, and Arab films because there are a lot of Arabic films that are brilliant, but you know we don't have a chance. And even Iranian films, we don't get them as much. And recently, the best foreign film, the Oscars, was an Iranian film. So even then, we, we all know, yeah, we, we all know that uh, it's not, you don't go watch the country that you're from and either blockbusters. If you market it, they will come. Well, exactly, because, I mean, even the salesman, like, I saw it because the scene got screened it uh, a month or so ago, and then, by coincidence, it was listed in um, Novo Cinemas and Vox, but again, there's no promotion. So it was only because I was on the website looking for what's going on. And then I 
mention it on Twitter, and then people go, oh, is it with subtitles? Because there's this hesitation. So when it's a non-English language film, is it screening in subtitles? So straight away, people are already kind of... And that's fair. Assuming. And that's a fair question. And, and, <laughs> and, and, but then, like, where people just immediately assume it is, like, I went to see Dangal, an Indian film, amazing, and that was, with, and I double-checked, it was, was, was it subtitled or not? But there's this thing where I think it's this, these different languages, and I don't know if it's a cinema's mentality, where if you're from this country only, you're going to go and watch this film. That, that needs to change, because that's not the case at all. Like, cinema is open for everyone, and especially a place like, I mean, we're used to watching stuff with, what, English and French, sub with Arabic subtitles and French subtitles on TV, do you know what I mean? Like, I don't understand why now when it comes to cinemas, and especially like critically acclaimed, the ones that have a good buzz, where it's an opportunity to fill the screening. Don't screen it five times a day. Screen it once or twice in the evening, and you know, and fill that screening instead of fine screening in the afternoon where hardly anyone turns up, you know, apart from the likes of you and I, <laughs> who are selectively unemployed. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> so so it's, it's, it's quite frustrating that it's just like superheroes, and you know, not necessarily intelligent comedies that are the the top sellers here. Like I refuse to believe that this is the only audience when it comes to cinema. <laughs> Look, I'm not going to get into the psyche of the human brain, so I guess let's wrap it up with saying that audiences are different. But we have to. Ha we are now, as a as a country, have really developed and grown since back in the 80s. Of, or even the 70s of, of the smaller communities that's, that's there, but it, it is really an international world where and we do have a very strong film festival that's been on for almost 12 years now, coming next year, so we can't even say, oh, we're beginning. We have, a, we have an establishment, we, have, we produce a lot of these other shiny foreign films, so I don't know, I think it's, it's, it's going at, it's, the pace of its development is much slower than the pace of, of the audiences, so eventually we should catch up. And on that note, do you want to add anything before we wrap up? Nothing. I mean, I guess maybe just a teaser that our next episode or two will be focusing on art because it's March in the UAE and it's art season in Dubai with a gazillion art-related stuff, but we'll focus on it in the next episode. So please do tune in and hopefully we'll have another episode up in a week or two. Thank you very much. And remember, you can always find us on iTunes as Tea with Culture, as well as our SoundCloud uh, Tea with Culture. And please um, rate us and share any comments that you can. We are also on Twitter, Tea with Culture. Thank you very much and speak to you very soon. Goodbye.